This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Monday, September 10th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Downey. Here's today's headlines. Kudlow says the NAFTA sticking point is M-I-L-K. Mr. President, it's the Japanese on line one. And U.S. gets boost from Argentina offers to lift ban on beef. Kudlow says the NAFTA sticking point is milk. U.S. and Canada continue to butt heads over the deal to include Canada in the rewrite of the North American Free Trade Agreement, and Canada's dairy policy continues to be the main sticking point. That according to White House National Economic Council Director Larry Kudlow, who spelled out the problem on Friday to Fox Business. Kudlow said, I think the United States would rather have a trade deal with Canada, but it has to be a good deal, and the word that continues to block the deal is milk. Canadian Minister of Foreign Affairs Christia Freeland, speaking Sunday to Canada's Global News, refused to comment on Kudlow's statement, stressing that she and U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer agreed not to discuss details of the negotiations with the press. Of Kudlow, she stressed, he's not at the negotiating table. The U.S. is no longer demanding that Canada completely dismantle its dairy supply management system that seeks to insulate the country's farmers from international competition. But the Trump administration remains firm in its call for the country to axe its Class 7 pricing mechanism. USDA Secretary Sonny Perdue told reporters last week the Class 7 has to go away. He said, if you want a supply management system for the dairy sector, we're simply saying you need to manage the supply and not allow your producers to overproduce, which reduces the international price that our dairy people have to compete with. U.S. dairy industry alleges that Canada is using its Class 7 to block both imports of U.S. dairy products and subsidize its own exports, stealing global market share away from the U.S., President Donald Trump and his cabinet have been promising for more than a year to force Canada to change its dairy policies, and that continues to boost the optimism of the U.S. dairy farmer. That, together with the fact that the U.S. and Mexico have already reached a deal on NAFTA, is putting the pressure on Canada, according to Jim Mulhern, president and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation. Top officials in the Trump administration have repeated their insistence and strong support of the NFPF's assertions over the past year that any successful NAFTA outcome must create more trade opportunities for the U.S. dairy sector and not allow Canada to continue engaging in flagrantly anti-competitive practices. Mr. President, it's the Japanese on line one. Is the U.S. finally in serious talks with the Japanese on a trade deal? That's exactly the case, according to President Trump, who spoke to reporters aboard Air Force One on Friday. We're starting that. Yeah, Trump said when asked if the U.S. was in talks with Japan. In fact, he said, Japan has called us. They called us. The only reason I didn't want to do it quite yet, because we're in China. Trump went on to say that he was succeeding with Japan, where the Obama administration could not. That doesn't fit with recent history and remarks from administration officials. It was late July that the USTR, Robert Lighthizer, told lawmakers that there was no near-term potential for a trade pact with Japan. Right now, it is the Japanese position that they don't want to enter into an agreement with the United States, but they're willing to work through broad issues, and that's something that we would expect to do. 
Lighthizer said at a hearing held by the Senate Appropriations Subcommittee on Commerce, Justice, Science, and Related Agencies. Japan did agree to slash tariffs on U.S. beef, pork, wheat, and other commodities during the Obama administration, but that was a part of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which Trump pulled out of. U.S. gets boost from Argentina, offers to lift ban on beef. After the sixth case of bovine spongiform encephalopathy, known most commonly as mad cow disease, was found in Florida last month, the USDA was quick to point out that the U.S. has the highest possible international safety rating when it comes to keeping the disease out of the human food supply. The fact that Argentina is now offering to lift its 15-year ban on U.S. beef, as reported exclusively by AgriPulse, should give a boost to USDA assertions that consumers have nothing to worry about when it comes to the brain-wasting disease. The USDA tests about 20,000 cows per year for the disease and maintains strict rules on safeguards that ban the processing of any cattle parts that could be infected with the disease. China to import more cotton, but not from the U.S. Chinese farmers will be planting less cotton this year, and the country will be forced to rely heavier on imports. But China's recent tariffs could keep U.S. farmers and exporters from benefiting. That according to a new analysis by the USDA's Foreign Agriculture Service. The FAS report said the additional 25% tariff on U.S. cotton that China implemented on July 6, 2018, will make it more challenging for importers in China to source U.S. cotton. Industry sources estimate that the tariff will add $600 a ton to cotton imported from the United States, and importers are reportedly taking a wait-and-see approach. China is now forecast to import about 1.5 million tons of cotton for the 2018-19 marketing year, up from just 1.1 million tons in 2017-18. The FAS analysts did not give a specific forecast for Chinese imports from the U.S., but stressed that they expect them to fall in 2017-18 and in 2018-19. The U.S. was China's largest supplier of cotton for 2016 and 17, exporting 501,000 tons. With more difficult access to high-quality U.S. cotton, Chinese cotton buyers will be looking to source additional cotton from other suppliers. The report said and also noted that Australia, India, Uzbekistan, and Brazil are the largest competitors for the market. Analysis EPA's refiner waivers equal big losses. The U.S. ethanol industry could lose up to $20 billion in sales over the next six years if the Environmental Protection Agency doesn't stop its blistering pace of exempting small refiners from the renewable fuel standard that requires they blend ethanol into the gasoline they produce. That according to a newly updated analysis by the University of Missouri's Food and Agriculture Policy Research Institute, or FAPRI. The FAPRI analysis clearly shows that demand destruction from small refiner exemptions is real and has substantial economic consequences, according to Renewable Fuels Association Chief Economist Scott Richmond. If EPA continues to retroactively grant these exemptions, it will cause further harm to the ethanol industry through lower prices, reduced production, and additional demand erosion. The solution to the problem is straightforward. EPA should project exempted volumes when it sets the annual RVOs, which effectively reallocate them to other obligated parties and keeps the RFS whole. Here's today's He Said It.
Actually, he didn't say anything. White House Senior Advisor Jared Kushner, who was taking part of the U.S.-Canadian talks, was completely mum for an awkward two minutes as he found himself locked out of the USTR headquarters last week. Now, reporters standing watch outside the building on 17th Street peppered him with questions, ranging from the state of the negotiations to his views on the anonymous op-ed published Wednesday in the New York Times. But he did not utter a word. Well, that's Daybreak for this Monday, September 10th. AgriPulse Daybreak is brought to you by Watkinson Miller and Dairy Management Incorporated. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Nally.